Welcome to my first sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to the show on either iTunes or on SoundCloud. You can like us there. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com, my first sketch. If you have any questions about the show or want to share your first sketch, feel free to email me at myfirstsketchpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow me personally on Twitter at Josh High False. Today's guest is Drew Kramchak, who curates the monthly monologue show at the Philly Improv Theater. He's also in the sketch group It's the New and the improv group The Sardines. But today we're focusing on his monologues. And since I don't want to ruin the joke, all I'll say about his monologue today is that it's an entry from a diary. So let's go to Drew Kramchak. Dear Diary, I cannot be certain, but I highly doubt the masses are aware that Sherlock Holmes is a drinking, lying, cheating, distasteful buffoon. He comes in unannounced to my flat at all hours, attired in the most ridiculous sense, with his footy pajamas and omnipresent bib he only discards when the mayor gives him a key to the city or some damn thing. I invariably ask him who he has been with, and he just as invariably answers, with kings and counselors, and gives me a shit-eating grin. And the next moment, he will proceed to saunder past me, mumbling about the case of the bottle of bourbon in Watson's cabinet, and hum God save the queen. Afterwards, he will stumble around the house, mistaking doors for walls and walls for doors, and my antique chess set for a toilet. He chews his food after half-heartedly dashing at it with a fork and knife with such terrible abandon that it should sicken the whole animal kingdom. There are entire days he spends precariously hanging out his bedroom window, dropping balloons filled with an awesome variety of liquids. I believe last week was christened beef stew bash, and many innocents came home covered in the aroma of meat. He loves to aim for the elderly because they are slow afoot and take up less space, whatever that means. He passes gas as if he considered it his vocation, and as he well knows, he has never missed a day of work. In customarily greeting a member of the fairer sex, he offers up a slight jab to the chin, which stuns the hardiest of women. I have neither the energy or space to list the occasions that I have assisted him out of establishments, moral or otherwise, as he blathers on about any subject that eludes his peppercorn of a solution. But these are little things, mind. Only cursory injustices. He has a kind soul, yes. That of a slow, friendly child. Whether he is with peer or elder, he requests a high five to begin and close every conversation. He loves free samples and children's games. However, he never knows when the free samples end and the payment begins. He has also trampled many a child for a little schoolyard glory. So perhaps, diary, I was a trifle hard on him before. I dare not fathom how he solves the cases he does, unless it is a product of the Creator's pity and otherwise bestowing a man with the gifts of an ungainly dog.
so I started writing. So, so for instance, like the, the, the piece I just read, I wrote that when I was, I was 18, I believe. It was right after high school, and I, I just had this uh, idea to write a bunch of different uh, uh, character pieces. I didn't qualify them as monologues or as any, any sort of particular thing, just, just short comedic pieces. And they, it was, uh, I wrote them on and off from the time I was 18 till I was about 21. And it was, it was, a, it was, uh, 21 different pieces that were, uh, bits of fake letters. Like I, I had a, uh, a, a, a fake, uh, um, what we just read there, a fake Watson letter, a fake uh, uh, Walt Whitman letter on golf, a uh, fake Caesar letter, a fake Beethoven letter, uh, and then there was just other other little little things. Uh, first draft of the Gettysburg Address, and I uh, uh, Matt Schmid helped me um, record it, and then I would go occasionally by myself, and then sometimes uh, uh, with him, and we would go to different coffee shops around uh, South Jersey and I would uh, uh, he would like do do music or sometimes he would do comedy of, of his own and I would I would read these things uh, and uh, yeah it was, it was it was it was so it would be like me and then like buttressed on either side by people that were doing uh, spoken word poetry or or you know very very po-faced covers of you know Bob Dylan or something so I didn't I didn't really know the room but Uh, the, I think the response. I mean, the sort. Uh, the response was was good, depending on. Uh, yeah, it was. It was really. It was really kind of hit or miss. I think a lot of people in that situation are, um, you know, sort of very, very insular about whatever there is, whatever it is that they they are performing themselves. And so you you could kind of look out there and see people, uh, just <laughs> sort of half glazed. Uh, you know, looking at, uh, you know, just thinking about, you know, their chord progressions or whatever. But it, it was a nice sort of training ground for me because uh, I would go up there and I didn't memorize the stuff a lot of the time. So I would come up there with these sheath of papers that I would read from and I would always have this stupid bit, but it helped me like get into kind of a, a reading performance where I would always say that I had found these papers somewhere. Right. and. Yeah. That's a sneaky way to not have to memorize that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm sorry, the one thing I remember doing once was going to this one place. There was it was a, uh, a converted bank in Audubon, and it was just like a slam poetry thing. And getting up there, it'd be like, uh, I'm really obsessed with Goldie Hawn, and I broke into her house looking for Private Benjamin memorabilia. And I didn't find anything, but I found this. <laughs> I, read, I just read whatever the fuck I was supposed to read, and it was it was good. It was like a nice icebreaker. <laughs> the, the monologues come before writing together, writing for other people. Like uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I would say I I always um yeah I, w whether it's monologues or whether it's it's short stories or, or uh, that that one novel I tried to write in my early twenties, most of the stuff I, I, I write I, I, I write for myself. And over the last probably three to four years, it's 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 been nice sometimes to 
to be like, oh, okay, I know this other person's comedic sensibilities, or I think I do. Let, let me see if I could sort of ventriloquize, uh, so to speak, um, you know, what, what I think would, would be best for them. And, and that's a good skill set to have. But generally, yeah, I, I, I write for myself. Um, well, I mean, like any, uh, you know, American child of, of the last uh, 40 years, I mean, I watched uh, Saturday Night Live when I was a kid. Uh, I watched uh, Kids in the Hall. Um, I, but like for, for me, I, I don't like influence wise, it was it was more stuff on the page, I think, than stuff I viewed. Like I, I was, um, uh, I think. This is kind of a really weird kind of two things to have. But I remember uh, Mark Twain like, like was the first writer I really, really started reading a lot when I was really young. And it was just amazing to me that this guy that died 75 years before I was born and wrote, you know, probably his best stuff like, you know, 150 years ago over like a 10, 15 year period where he was really. And, and this stuff that like these little marks on this page is, is making me, you know, laugh, you know, uh, you know 150 uh, years later, so that like I remember, uh, yeah, Mark Mark Twain, which is the pr pretentious answer, but but true, and and then uh, 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 Far Side, the Far Side, the uh, the the, uh, the comic. There was something that was such a like self fulfilled world about those comics. They, they they were so they were so confident. He just he told you everything he wanted you to know in one, you know, in one panel, and either you you got it or you didn't. And, uh, but most of the time, you, you, you got it if you continue yeah. to read it. But but a surprising amount of them, I, I think there was a very coherent philosophy with, with 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 Far Side. Uh, the, the 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 weirdness was uh, <laughs> the weirdness almost had a, 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 an amount of logic to it. Uh, um, I mean, there there were sort of if if I had all the books in front of me, I could probably show you. Like the, the, there's there's you know themes of, of certain kinds of things throughout, and it's it's very consistent. But like I said, it's it's. Kid trying to open the door, yeah. Yeah. Because my, you know, all my siblings all of a sudden growing up that I might be smart as anything, but I know common sense, and that's something that I would do, right? So, okay, so I mentioned Far Side. Now, a lot of your monologues, even when you perform at your show or at Sketch Up, they don't necessarily have to be on stage. Like, I think I've only seen one, and I haven't seen everything that you've ever done, where there's an individual. Yeah. There's one where you stand on your underwear and that's sort of that first moment of like, oh, there's Ruben with underwear, that's funny. Like, yeah. And then you kept going. But like, other than that, like, you use these like very visual, word salad, 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 for, for me, I, I, um, if it's not funny on the page, then I, me personally, I, I put it aside. I'm not interested in it, and because I, I, I think I know my, my strong suits. I, um, I, you know, since I started doing improv a couple of years ago, I, I've, I've gotten more comfortable, um, uh, being on stage, and it's sort of, you know, opened up the, you know, cliched brand new vistas of, 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 of you know stuff I'm able to do, but at the same time, uh, I, I approach everything from a purely writer's uh, uh, standpoint. And, and so it ha for me, I, I just hope and, and, and assume that the audience will, will go along with me and be okay with the fact that I'm just gonna, for a number of the monologues, I go up there and I hit my mark, you know, in the very center of the stage, you know, towards the front, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna talk, and I'm not gonna run around and hit the walls and, and dress up as a, you know, a dinosaur or a jester. Not that there's anything, uh, you know, wrong with it, that, that approach, it's just not for me. So I, I approached it, and I don't think I started writing it like this. But but for me, I want to get that. It's it, it's like the, the the first hit in football. It's it's like that. You want to get that that immediate uh, uh, response, you know. Or, or think of it as um, you, you know you're, you're back in Miss McCready's tenth grade English class, and she tells you, okay, you have to get that. You have to hone that topic sentence, you know, whatever it is, and. And not that I not that I can't you know follow along a little bit of misdirection and I can't be led down the primrose path into you know something where I, I didn't see before. But for me, I I want the audience to be with me from from moment moment one. And for, and for me that that is get that laugh as as soon as possible. So yeah, for, I always try to get the laugh either on the first line or 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 the, or the second sentence you know the second the second sentence is is obviously going to be the, the punchline to the first but I don't even do that very much so Yeah, that's true, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, Matt and I primarily wrote stuff, and Joe Pantalone uh, primarily performed stuff. And uh, I've, I've known Matt for a very long time. We've known each other since we were five years old. We grew up down the street from each other. And 
so you know we we've been writing on and off not stuff for stage necessarily but since like i i don't know you know uh, middle school or early early high school uh you know i uh, uh we would um you know help each other out like writing um you know, stuff for like videos for school projects and uh uh all 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 kinds of stuff so we we were always on the same page uh uh comedically so it was very easy for us to to write together uh and um with with the group I'm in now it's it's the new uh obviously I haven't known these people for uh, uh nearly as long but I I it's 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 nice I've been sort of able to to dive in and uh, just just sort of you know you, you hang out with someone for a few hours you get some beers you, you talk and you begin to see like you know what 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 the the comedic the possible comedic pathways are to to you know really uh, really help them hit that sweet spot and, and sometimes you, you miss and sometimes you, you don't but uh, yeah I don't know I I don't know if I have like a really psychologically complex answer for that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, we were probably, we would probably get, get together for about, I mean, I, I, and I'll, I, and I've known Matt for a very long time, and I've known Joe since, uh, 9th or 10th grade in, in high school, so pretty, pretty darn long time. I think we were together in terms of performing stuff for about a year and a half or so. I mean, we... Did uh, we started working on stuff before that? Uh, we we did a, a half hour mini epic of the story of Beowulf brought to modern times, and we started writing it before we started doing stuff at Fit. And then we uh, we recorded an album. We did a few shows at Fit and in and around the surrounding area. And then we finished the the Beowulf like mini epic album thing. And uh, yeah, so I, I honestly don't remember. I'm terrible with like dates and and years, but we I think the Stonewall Players ended probably late in 2013. So yeah, we, we were probably together for a good two three years on and off writing. So okay, so Stonewall Players came out two years. What else were you doing? Like, was the monologue always like? Uh, the performance choice after that. Like, yeah, yeah. I I th well, it, it certainly has been. Yeah, for the improv. Yeah, and 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 that and that's a great. Uh, yeah, that that's just sort of a, a a different way of letting off like the the comedic valve. You know, it's it's a it's a, like a different. It's a, it's a muscle I didn't know I, uh, I I had, and it's, um, yeah, it's 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 really it's really nice. But it's it's been, uh, it's it's been nice doing the the, the monologues as well because it it uh, I've been able to write other things, um, other like short stories and other pieces that have been kind of jumping off points. That's why I, I tell people I really enjoy writing monologues because they can be, um, yeah, they, they could be stepping stones to, if, if you want it to be, they could be stepping stones to other larger projects because they're, 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 they're character pieces and, and you, can, you can expand on them. Well, I mean, there. Well, actually, I in in practice, I did a character, um, actually a few weeks ago, and I thought, oh, that's that's actually something I could. He he was like a very disaffected, uh, 
uh, math teacher uh, who uh, was was trying to explain the formula to how how to not get divorced, essentially. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? I, I could definitely turn this into a monologue, so stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I would say, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you know, Phil Hartman was uh, was was tremendous. I remember reading uh, in, in one of the Saturday Night Live books that his his nickname was the Glue. You know, people would just say during the read-throughs, like they would say Glue, 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 and people thought, like new cast members would thought they were saying like Boo, but no, because he you know he held everything together. But I guess for me, uh, sometimes you're you're most interested in and, and, and attracted to the, the people that are most outside your own skill set so for me I always loved uh, Chris Farley uh, I don't know he and and, and I don't know what the I, I don't know what the critical like opinion of, of of him is now I know he was like beloved during his life and then you know after after you, you pass away then everyone's like yeah that guy fuck that guy I, so I don't know what he is now but I don't know I always just I I, I, I thought he was a really interesting ball of energy, and I th I think he could have possibly gone a sort of concurrent road that Bill Murray has in branching out and doing serious things. Like I know he was in talks to do a, a Fatty Arbuckle film yeah, when when he died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I look because I I know like when I've, when I've read about like there's there's a very famous article uh one of the well one of the more famous Saturday Night Live Saturday Saturday Night Live Dead articles uh, uh that came out around that time because I remember they interviewed Farley and Sandler and everything and uh, but I I feel like. The, the the suits like Don Olenmeyer and the, and the people that ran the network really really did not like they, they none of those people were were fan favorites I honestly don't again like like you I think we're, we're we're the same pretty much the same exact age I'm also 30 so I was not you know knee deep in in the literature of of the time so uh, but I I feel like there, there were some I I feel like maybe people that were of of yeah the high school and college generation back then did 
in enjoy them, but they didn't have as maybe as widespread appeal because there was such a level of professionalism when when Hartman and uh, um, you know Mike Myers and Jan Hooks and when they yeah, were doing it. Um, and they're all going to listen to this now. Yeah, I would say I, uh, well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I don't know if I could sidestep this or not. I, I feel like I, I get basically, I get what I need to out of all of those things. I, I needed improv at a time when I had, well, so like I, I had stopped doing, I had, I had stopped writing short pieces for a while and I, I had started working on longer things. Like I, I tried writing a, a novel and then the Stonewall players got together and it, it was really cool to get back into short, funny comedy. And then when the Stonewall players ended, uh, I hadn't started writing monologues yet and I wasn't interested in doing another sketch group and so improv came around and really kind of, you know, saved my, uh, you know, comedic hide and really helped me in a time when, you know, when, when I needed that, that kind of like, you know, weekly get together and, 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 you know, putting up funny stuff. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think one, I could say one, they, they have all equally helped me out over various points. Uh, 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 well, I guess, like, yeah, television, well, I, like I said, uh, uh, SNL, Kids in the Hall, SCTV, um, I, I also really like, I, there's a lot of people I got to a little bit later, like, uh, um, you mentioned, uh, uh, Ernie Kovacs, and, uh, I really, really enjoyed him a lot, I, er, I feel like sometimes when I watch Ernie Kovacs, and I started watching him a few years ago, it's like, uh, you know, SNL, or not SNL, uh, Adult Swim came out of his pocket, you know? Like the, 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 that style, there, there's a certain manic uh, um, energy that I, I feel like really, um, uh, re re really, really ended up there. Uh, I liked, uh, I liked uh, uh, Woody Allen's uh, early New Yorker pieces. Uh, I, I really love uh, P.G. Woodhouse, who was this, uh, was this dynamo uh, uh, British writer in the early 20th century. He did. Um, a lot of plays, but he, he basically wrote a book from 1905 to 1973 when he when he died, uh, just just like pumping out uh, uh, novels, novels and short story collections every year, and a surprising amount of them are, are yeah, just really great. Uh, I could talk about him for an entire other interview, so I can't do that, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Josh.
It's the New will be performing at the Philly Improv Theater on Thursday, June 30th and Friday, July 1st. Both shows are at 9 p.m. Also, on July 8th, Monologues and Brought to You by returns from the Duo Fest hiatus at 9 p.m. with the tentative lineup of Christian Alsis, Randy Ress, Shannon Fahey, Beth Eisenberg, Joseph Cardos, and Ronnie Brewington. And finally, The Sardines hosts a monthly show on the third Thursday of the month at the American Sardine Bar at 1800 Federal Street. You can always check Facebook for more information on that show as we get closer to it. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philadelphia, head to woodercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band No-No, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook to keep up with who I'm going to be talking to next and future live shows. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. <laughs>